What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today is the Monday after the NFL draft, which means all last night, all yesterday, I have been scrambling, putting together my RS grades, the rankings. You can find these all on patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. I have my top 48 for Superflex tight end premium rookie drafts already live on the Patreon. You'll find that in the description. You'll find it down below in the comments. But we'll give you a little bit of a teaser here today. We are going to break down my running back rankings, break them down into tiers, and go through my top 15 for this 2023 rookie class when it comes to Dynasty specifically. So with all that being said, if you enjoyed this video, if you learned something new, make sure you down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. So we have the good old-fashioned tier list here now again i always give this disclaimer this is for dynasty ppr leagues and i feel much stronger about the tiers than i do player a versus player b within each tier so with that being said let's go through s tier our rb1 the only running back in s tier is Bijan robinson he goes eighth overall to the falcons and something that we thought wasn't even going to be possible right i've said this about a million times now this draft weekend but I seriously sat down and reflected on my model of, okay, running backs are getting less draft capital, and everybody's telling me, you know, second round's a new first round, third round's a new second round. Should I be making tweaks? And I sort of sat back and was like, you know, let's just give it another year, see what happens, and boom. We get an eighth overall running back and a twelfth overall running back. You can say maybe the 2023 draft class in terms of like, you know, what they had in terms of like linebacker and edge and tackle was weak, so it pushed the running backs up, but... The idea that a top 15 draft capital running back is extinct in the modern NFL, I think is a tired narrative. It's just been a while. They have to be pretty much generational to get drafted there, but that's where Bijan ended up. And if we look at just simply, so since 2017, right? 2017 was that legendary draft class. So 2018 and on, here are your six drafted running backs inside the top 10. Or actually, this is since 2015. Your running backs drafted inside of the top 10, and it is just all hits, right? They are all legendary, but even if they're not all legendary, they're all top 10 picks. They all have top five running back seasons. The worst scenario is Leonard Fournette in this list. So Bijan, just a really rare skill set here. You can see his receiving grade at the end, A plus. Only him, Saquon, and McCaffrey have an A plus or better receiving grade. And we know how crazy Saquon and McCaffrey were in terms of receiving in their first year. So Bijan, top 10 pick, no doubter, legendary. 5'11", 215, 4'4", speed, can catch passes. And then he goes to a system where they're going to build this offense around him, right? They led the team in, in a, or they led the NFL in rush attempts last year, the Falcons. You have Arthur Smith. He was the offensive coordinator for the Titans in 2019 and 2020 when Derrick Henry was a top five running back in fantasy. And that was doing so with under 20 catches in each of those seasons. So Bijan Robinson could probably, you know, challenge for 50 plus receptions, be the main focal point of an Arthur Smith offense and just dominate behind what was the fifth best offensive line in PFF's final rankings last year for the O-line unit. So wheels all the way up, but we already kind of knew that with Bijan. Now the next running back we're going to talk about, he is in a tier of his own. I have him in A tier all by himself, Jameer Gibbs. He goes 12th overall, 12th overall, right? That is insane. Remember what we were just saying, running backs don't go highly. He went highly. Jameer Gibbs went 12th overall, which is the second highest a running back has gone since Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley went second overall. Bijan went eighth. And then it's Gibbs at 12th, ahead of Etienne, ahead of Najee, uh, 
ahead of Brees Hall, ahead of Jonathan Taylor, all of these really, really solid running backs. Jameer Gibbs was given wild, wild draft capital. Now, I know I've been talking about this a ton this weekend, and I have pretty much opened up every single live stream ranting about Jameer Gibbs, but I kind of want to go through the profile one last time here. He's not only my RB2, he's my 104 in rookie drafts. I would take him over uh, JSN, and I would take him over CJ Stroud. And here's why. Yes, he's 199 pounds. There is downsides to this, pro or there's downsides to this profile, but I think the issue is that the skeptics out there aren't adjusting for the 12th overall draft capital, right? The size was an issue, and I want to illustrate why, why it matters because the big concern with Jameer Gibbs, sub 200 pounds, he could get shoehorned and pigeonholed into a Giovanni Bernard type workload, right? Where he's just looked at as just a satellite back and not kind of elevated into like your Eckler, Kamara, McCaffrey roles where you can just kind of do it all and be the focal point of an offense. And of course, a player going 12th overall instead of going second round doesn't just make him magically better at football. But what it does is it gives a team a lot more investment in said player to use him more often. And then also on top of that, maybe your pre-draft evaluation was wrong. If you had him as a second rounder, but the NFL saw him as a 12th rounder, some were saying the Lions would take him as high as sixth overall. Some were saying the Jets wouldn't let him get past 15. Jameer Gibbs, firmly a top 15 pick in the NFL draft, something we haven't seen since Saquon. That should affect your evaluation of him because when we look here, and let's say he goes second round, right? Here are your second round running backs ordered by best market share of receiving yards season. So best market share of receiving yards is just your receiving yards divided by your team's total receiving yards, just to get you know how much are you making up your offense. And he leads all of them, but at the top here, all the guys that are 15% or better, Dexter McCluster, Brian Leonard, Giovanni Bernard. You go a little bit lower and you start to get to your bell cows, but Jameer Gibbs profiles as a guy that was in danger of being the next Giovanni Bernard, right? Of going second round and just having a receiving type role, kind of like a Duke Johnson as well. But when we take out second round and we do the same thing where we sort, but we do it with the first rounders, it's a much different list. It is McCaffrey at the top, Chris Johnson, CJ Spiller, Saquon Barkley. Those are your four guys with a 15% or better receiving yard market share. So it really takes down that risk of him being shoehorned into that role to then giving him comps list of guys who might have been undersized like you know your Chris Johnson and McCaffrey's and figured it out because they were given the draft capital to you know invest more resources give more touches into a smaller back so I think that's why it's really really important to look at now if we look at even just his comps that my database spits out you're getting a lot of those same names. McCaffrey, Chris Johnson, CJ Spiller, Javid Best. I don't want to, no slander about Javid Best either. Javid Best, uh, electric, electric player. Really sad what happened to him. I think he got like a concussion or too many concussions, but he played six games in his second year and averaged 18.8 points per game. If Gibbs could do that, that would be a massive win. Of course, Chris Johnson, McCaffrey, huge, huge ceilings. CJ Spiller's his absolute floor. CJ Spiller was utilized in a time where space backs and like satellite plus backs weren't a thing. I think he would have been better in the modern NFL. And even if not, he still has a top 12 point per game season. So a lot of really, really good comps. Again, I can't stress enough. The whole reason we care second rounder to 12th overall is it takes his comps away from, you know, your Giovanni Bernards and your Dexter McClusters to your McCaffrey's, Chris Johnson's job at best, where they got drafted early despite their size because a team wants to utilize them. They think that they are a very, very good NFL player. Now, just being a 12th overall drafted running back, he should hold his value. We've seen... ETN last year he didn't play a single snap in his first year as a running back and just because he was a first round pick in the NFL 
he was like a top eight running back value in Dynasty heading into his second season. There's going to be a lot of goodwill on this profile. We have seen guys like Kenneth Walker, who has a similar red flag to Jameer Gibbs. Now, Jameer Gibbs, his red flag is he's too small. Will he get enough rushing attempts? Will he get enough you know, snaps on the goal line? Will he score enough touchdowns? Kenneth Walker is a different question. Can he catch passes? He comes out in year one. He looks good, but he never even caught passes. Now, of course, he caught some passes, but it was still like under 25 catches. He didn't prove that he could have a three-down skill set. They were still preferring DJ Dallas and Travis Homer as their third down back in Seattle. And even with that, he was a top five running back in Dynasty. You don't have to answer to your biggest concern in year one. You just have to show something. Just show that when you're on the field, you can average 14 or 15 points per game. And that's all you need for Gibbs. You don't need him to prove that he can be a goal line back or run between the tackles for him to hold value from year one to year two. We've seen guys all the time gain value, you know, your carry on Johnson's, your Cam Akers, your J.K. Dobbins after year one of not really putting together a crazy, crazy ceiling. And the last thing that I want to say on the Gibbs front, because I know we're going long here with Gibbs, but when we zoom into just 2023, and that's another note here, with running backs, I'm a little bit more uh, nearsighted with them, because if I'm drafting a running back, I likely want to compete. I likely want them to score soon, right? So it's not as long of a window as we have for like your quarterbacks and wide receivers. We want points soon when it comes to the running back position. And a huge, huge positive on his profile here is Mike Clay's projections. Now, if you look at running back, Jameer Gibbs is right there as the RB18, right? His rank in PPR points per game, RB18, which is absolutely insane. Mike Clay, again, he's the ESPN projection guys. He is one of the best guys in the business when it comes to projections, but he's also very conservative with rookies. Jackson Smith the Jigba right now is like his wide receiver 49. He is a rookie wide receiver, right? He's behind Metcalf. He's behind Lockett. He is very, very conservative with this. And even with being conservative, he sees 12th overall. He puts Gibbs at RB18. And that's even with David Montgomery flirting with top 24 numbers. There's a lot of fantasy points to go around in this backfield. Believe that. He has Jameer Gibbs at exactly 15 points per game. And these stats are using 14 games. He uses 14 games because of like injuries and stuff. But He's projecting a 16-game pace for Jameer Gibbs of 890 rushing yards and nine total touchdowns, which would be massive because the concerns are low rushing. I think just under 1,000 is what we're looking for, right? Kamara and Eckler have had 20-plus point-per-game seasons without a season over 1,000 rushing yards. They usually hang out in that, like, 900-yard area. And then nine total touchdowns. That might be more touchdowns than or nine total touchdowns on a 17-game pace, 18, eight touchdowns on a 14-game pace, which is just tied with Montgomery. So he thinks Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery will both have their opportunities to score touchdowns, which is really, really nice. And the biggest thing is that there's room for ceiling here. He is just on a 57-catch pr projection pace with this, right? So these are stats, assuming just 57 catches through 17 games, and that's where the ceiling comes in. Those guys that he's getting comps to in terms of receiving profile, Saquon, Kamara, and Christian McCaffrey, all had over 80-plus catches in their rookie years, and that was also before it was a 17-game season. So I did the math real quick of, like, you know, fantasy points per catch, and if we actually give him 80 catches through 17 games, he gets, like, 17.5 points per game, flirting with, like, top five numbers, and if you want to give him more touchdowns and more catches after that, he has upside four top five, you know, point-per-game season just because of PPR as soon as year one. And then he also goes to this spot with the Lions where you have Jared Goff, the premier pocket passer, check down type guy. You have David Montgomery as a nice like meat shield between the 20s. And of course, he's going to work in on the goal line, but you don't want Jameer Gibbs getting rammed into the offensive line at the 50-yard line. We don't want that. We want the passing downs, the third down stuff. He's going to get all of that and more. 
There is really nothing out there besides Amon Ross St. Brown when it comes to receiving. Of course, you have Laporta coming in, but Jamison Williams is on suspension. Marvin Jones is like the other option there. So a lot of opportunity, a really good spot for him to go to. Somebody I'm very excited about, if you can't tell. Now, moving on, we go to B tier. And this is where there's a huge cheer break, right? Like these guys I would take early on, uh, like top four picks in Superflex tight end premium drafts. This is going to be your one-two turn. Now, my RB3 in this class, give me Devin A-Chain. Now, we're going to have two guys in here. And if you want to have the other guy ahead of him, you can, of course. It's a tier thing. And I might have A-Chain too high, but man, the profile, the landing spot, I just can't quit it. Now, I know that he is undersized for sure, right? He's undersized at 5'8", 188 pounds, but there's a lot of reasons to buy in. Now, this is a chart uh, or a table from Noah More Parties, Noah Hills, you guys know him from the BDGE channel. He has a really cool website as well right now. This is from one of his free articles, and it goes through Devin A. Chain's rushing efficiency. So it has his yards per carry plus, which I believe, believe is his yards per carry versus his teammates. He had an NFLer in his backfield, Isaiah Spiller, outperformed him there. Box-adjusted efficiency rating, right, 87th percentile. You have chunk rate, 78th percentile. Missed tackles, force per attempt, 83rd percentile. He is very good between the tackles, more so than you would expect for a 5'8", 188-pound back. Noah actually believes that he can be a true, like, between-the-tackles runner. Now, I don't know about, like, 20-plus carries, but a guy who isn't just shoehorned into a satellite back role. Like, he isn't just a pass catcher, and I would say that he's honestly more of a rusher than a guy like Jameer Gibbs. This is a guy in Devin A-Chain who has 4'3 speed. He pops in these Noah Hills metrics. He's also a guy who averaged over 100 rush yards per game in the SEC last year, is a 21-year-old early declare. He's super dynamic. He broke out as early as year one. Like The entire profile looks very juicy. He's also a guy who's very dynamic. Something that's impressive is that he has two touchdowns on 20 kick returns. That is insane stuff. Like You're lucky if you can get one kick return touchdown on like a sample of like 40-plus, but 20 means you know the ball is in this guy's hands. He is a threat to take it to the house, which is really, really exciting. So there's a lot to like on his profile. I think Jacob Sanderson put it really well here. He's an elite home run hitter, perfect scheme fit with the outside zone, right? You have Mike McDaniel coming from the Shanahan offense who loves guys like uh, Raheem Mostert, who's with the Dolphins. And he's that perfect, like he almost looks like Raheem Mostert, Devin A. Chain, where you're undersized, you're thin, you run fast. That's perfect for the Mike McDaniel's outside zone, Kyle Shanahan outside zone scheme. He can be exactly what Raheem Mostert is, but a way bigger asset in the passing game so you don't have to bring Raheem Moster in and kind of tip your hand to the run you can have this all-purpose back who can give you exactly what Raheem Moster does between the tackles but also have more juice as a younger guy so that's really exciting SEC every down guy he is a really effective wide receiver day two pick most talented running back by far right he's next to Jeff Wilson and Raheem Moster two guys that probably don't have a lot of money tied up with them and are pretty easily or, or pre pretty easily dethroned from their starting running back spots. Now he's also 188 pounds, as that bottom bullet says. But at a certain point, you have to look past the size. It's a flawed running back class, and I want to bet on the guy that looks like a chain in this offense with Mike McDaniel. I just trust Mike McDaniel to use his guys to the best of his ability. When you have Waddle and you have Tyree Kill and all the speed on this offense, I think a chain is going to fit in very very nicely. Now our RB four is Zach Charbonnet here. He went second round, 52nd overall to the Seahawks. He has a really strong case for RB3, to be honest. Now, the reason I have him here is landing spot, but I really can't put him much lower. Now, I know the landing spot isn't ideal, 
right? He goes to the Seahawks. Kenneth Walker's already there. And I hear a lot of people like wanting to put Kenneth uh, Charbonnet down here, like behind Kendra Miller. It's just like, guys, like second round draft capital is really valuable. I think we're we're really weigh, weighing landing spot too much. This was a guy who was pre-draft RB3, was a guy, if he said, if he goes, let's say, to the Bengals in the second round, exactly 52nd overall, right? Second round, 52nd overall, and it's the Bengals instead of the Seahawks. He is your dynasty 107. So if he goes second round, 52nd overall to the Seahawks, you can't then move him to like your 202, 203. I get, again, I get the landing spot's not great, but landing spot should really be more of a tiebreaker, right? Draft capital is what really drives fantasy points, not landing spot. Like we've seen this work out all the time where guys go somewhere like this is a cherry picked example but James Conner third round running back out of Pittsburgh goes to the Steelers and he's just seen as like a handcuff to Le'Veon Bell then Le'Veon Bell gets suspended or maybe not suspended but he holds out for his contract and then James Conner has a 20 plus point per game season that following year we truly never know what's going on like we weren't drafting Kenneth Walker last year or if you were fading him it might have been because of Rashad Penny right Rashad Penny is now an eagle after this one season like projecting out one year is so tough. I don't want to get caught up in all of this running back stuff. Kenneth Walker as well, someone that's not even established yet. He's a young, promising running back, but he hasn't gotten to a level of like bell cow running back for the Seahawks. Nobody else can compete with him. So I'm going to bet on talent here. Charbonnet is a very strong talent. He is the only running back draft in the second round in this draft class, which is really important. He has size and pass catching. He's six foot, 214 pounds, over 60 receptions in his final two seasons. That's a profile that we really like that we want and if we look at since 2018 so this is not including the 2017 draft class and something that uh Todd H on Twitter has kind of put me put me on to something that I want to look through this offseason as well but since that 2017 draft class it has been an absolute wasteland in the third round like your third round hit is literally just David Montgomery like I guess Antonio Gibson he gained a lot of value Henderson in a few spots but when you look at like round two it's Javante it's Brees Hall, it's it's Swift, it's Chubb, and like even if Javante hasn't hit and Swift hasn't been great, Swift still has a top 12 season and was a second-round starter pick at one point. Javante was a second-round starter pick at one point. Kenneth Walker, top five running back uh, this offseason. Carryon Johnson was like a third-round starter pick after his rookie year, and then I want to say that they drafted DeAndre Swift with Carryon still on the roster, and then Carryon was never really that effective for them again. Uh, Cam Akers as well gained a ton of value after year one. Dobbins, Sanders. So, I mean, like your downside case is like A.J. Dillon, James Cook uh, as just guys that are seen as kind of like pure RB2s uh, behind like an entrenched starter. But I, I wouldn't say like Aaron Jones versus Kenneth Walker. Aaron Jones is a much better running back at that time than Kenneth Walker right now. He's still like largely unproven. Like people act like he has done a ton, right? Like Kenneth Walker doesn't have a top 24 season or he doesn't have a top 12 season at this point. Uh, like he just had last year, which was pretty solid and it was solid, but it wasn't like to the point where it's like, man, he's so established. I can't have it. Uh, this is just two running backs that are talented going to the same spot, and you can just bet on either or. Again, same thing as like Kenneth Walker last year going into a crowded RB room with Rashad Penny. You just bet on the talent. And with Zach Charbonnet, again, he's in that bucket with the second rounders up there. And I think Pete Carroll, a guy who's kind of an older timey coach, I can't, I wish I could show the clip, but I can't because I'll get copyrighted. But if you look up, uh, I think Josh Norris tweeted it out, fellow uh, underdog boy, but he had a quote, Pete Carroll, talking about Zach Charbonnet, that he's really pumped to have a one-two punch at running back. And pretty much what he was saying is that he likes Charbonnet's versatility at the backfield as a pass catcher. It seems like, from my point of view, Kenneth Walker had the worst success rate last year in the NFL. He was a guy very much like young Saquon, where he would either give you like, you know, one yard gain, two yard gain, minus two yard gain, 
48 yards to the house, right? So that kind of, you know, push and pull. And you're a guy like Pete Carroll, and it's third and two, and you just want a guy who can get to the sticks. A guy like that as your main bell cow running back isn't great, right? So I think that he brings Charbonnet to be a little bit more steady Eddie. And then also, so he doesn't have to have Travis Homer and DJ Dallas tipping his hand on pass plays. He can have Zach Charbonnet come in, be the all-purpose guy. So I think that they're going to work well together. And Zach Charbonnet, why wouldn't you want to bet on the one? So if there's two running backs in an offense... Why wouldn't you bet on the one that's going to catch passes, you know? So give me Charbonnet for a discount. He's going to catch passes. He's going to an offense that should be pretty good with Geno Smith. Um, and I think that they can just kind of coincide and work together. Again, things happen, crazy happen, crazy things happen in the NFL. I'd rather just bet on the draft capital than say, you know what, this guy can't succeed because it's too crowded of a backfield, you know? Uh, after that, we have C tier, which is a little bit of a, of a small tier break to, I would call, like slightly worse prospects and less ideal landing spots. First up... Kendra Miller, my RB5, he goes third round, 71st overall to the Saints here. And Kendra Miller is someone that's never going to look good in a prospect model, and I completely get that. He doesn't look good in mine, but again, I have my RB5, okay? So put some, I'm putting respect on his name, but he's somebody who didn't catch many passes. He didn't test at the combine. He shared a backfield with another NFLer on this list, Zach Evans. So his numbers are going to get kind of misconstrued. But the thing that I like to, to grab onto, I think this is Arjun... Uh, from PFF, he shared this chart. And it's a really nice chart that just kind of shows every running back in some key categories. And you look through here, 87th percentile in yards at the contact per attempt, 90th percentile in missed tackles force per attempt, 95th percentile in explosive uh, run percent, and then not so great in yards per run. So he's a very explosive, shifty runner, which is exciting. I think he's probably one of the better pure rushers in this class. His profile, if he had like ran as fast as Kenneth Walker, right? Kenneth Walker ran like a 4-3-9 or something. Looks a lot like Kenneth Walker. Really, really, really nice, pure between the tackles runner, 21 years old, early declare. It's a nice profile. Uh, he goes to a backfield with Alvin Kamara, and he goes to a backfield with Jamal Williams. Both guys will be 28 when the season starts, so not long-term answers there. It's pretty easy to see how Kendrick Miller carves out a role. Really, my only concern would be that Jamal Williams can catch passes a little bit more than people think. He actually caught a lot of passes his first year in the NFL and caught passes at BYU and then kind of got pigeonholed last year next to DeAndre Swift. So we'll see what happens there. But the upside is that Kamara could get suspended. So then you're in a, a two backfield split with Jamal Williams, which means he should be able to, you know, kind of carve out a role and be productive in spots. And then you also have the upside that if Kamara doesn't play and they do split it, Kendra Miller could be the one that kind of mixes in on passing downs. Now, I would say it won't be likely that he finds a receiving role in the NFL. Uh, but if it was to happen, it would be year one where a team just, you know, goes out on a limb and says, you know what, let's try you out at this role. So, I mean, like there's some upside there for pass catching, uh, but this should be like a pretty good offense on the Saints here. And also, if we look at, I want to say that this is a chart with all the third down running backs drafted since 2018. I sorted it by receiving yard market share. So you can kind of see the drawback here. Like this is the drawback that he didn't catch a lot of passes, right? He is one of four guys under 5% receiving yard market share in their best season. You got Trey Sermon, Damian Harris, Ty Davis Price. I think Damian Harris is actually a pretty good comp for him, uh, but he goes to a spot where he can compete day one, whereas Damian Harris like almost like redshirted his first year. So keep an eye out for Kendra Miller. I know that some guys absolutely love Kendra Miller. I have him as like an early second uh, in rookie drafts. I've seen him go as high as like 110, 111. It's a little bit too rich for me, but like 201, 202, 203. Uh, I can get down on Kendra Miller there because I, I, I am open to the idea um, that he's not going to show up pretty well in the spreadsheets and that maybe he's a little bit better than the numbers might say. Now, our next running back, RB6, he goes third round as well, 88th overall. Tank Bigsby, 
to the Jaguars. And Tank Bigsby is a guy that I've liked this entire process. And people don't really seem too pumped, pumped about this landing spot. It's not amazing. But I think we, we also have to kind of understand, like, there's just not really good landing spots at all right now. Like, running back just seems so, uh, I don't know if you want to say saturated, but there was such a crazy, like, that was the 2018 draft class, right? I'm trying to think of the draft class that just had, like, their contracts going up. It actually might have been, like, 2019. You had, like, Jacobs as a free agent. Uh, you had some of the guys from 2017 as a free agent. The free agent class was really good this year, right? Like, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, like, Saquon, Jacobs. Uh, a lot of really solid guys. Jamal Williams, of course. I think, like, Singletary was one as well. And then you had this draft class. You already had some pretty good established guys. So there was only so many landing spots to go around. Like, if you look here, like, the, the, the era of the bell cow is kind of dead at this point. Like, only, what, only six running backs at a 75% or, no, 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 only four running backs at a 75% opportunity share or better. Like, most most guys are hovering around, like, the 60% area. There really is no such thing as a guy who's just going to be an absolute bell cow. So expecting any of these guys in the third round to just get drafted somewhere and be the starter from day one is wishful thinking. So we're really just hoping a guy can carve out a role. Running backs get injured a lot in the NFL. Uh, some backfields can produce multiple fantasy-relevant running backs. And that's just kind of what you're looking at once we get to this range, right? We're talking like, you know, mid-second round rookie pick type guys. Guys that you think are in crowded backfields, but you're kind of betting on the talent here. And that's sort of what we're doing with Tank Bigsby. He's a talent I really like. 5'11", 210 pounds, three down skill set. This is a guy who led the SEC last year in yards at the contact per attempt with 4.16. He was third in rush grade, third in elusiveness rating, one of six SEC running backs with 40-plus targets. So he can do it all. He was just held back by a really bad team the last three years. He had Bo Nix for a while, and then I don't even know who was playing quarterback for Auburn last year, but it wasn't any good. Uh, he kind of reminds me a lot of Cam Akers, but Cam Akers was a better prospect. He went second round. Uh, whereas Tank Bigsby goes third round here. But Tank Bigsby's a guy I would not sleep on. Again, none of these guys are going into a spot where they are the starter from day one. You know, that's sort of just the issue with, like, thinking that's possible. Like, all of these guys are going to go into some sort of crowded backfield. Of course, ETN is there, but it doesn't seem like they're married to ETN. One is a pass catcher. He didn't even have, like, I don't think 50-plus catches. Again, something that we wanted from ETN that we thought he could catch passes coming out of school. That still isn't realized yet. He's a very nice pure rusher between the tackles, but he only had four of his 17 games last year with 18 or more touches. Maybe that changes, but I just think it's pretty clear they don't want him to be like this 20-plus like huge bell cow, which is like nobody is really that in the NFL right now besides maybe like two or three guys. So they're going to be looking for someone to take off pressure from him. Again, Tank Bigsby can do it uh, as a pass blocker. He can do it as a receiver out of the backfield. He can do it between the tackles if they don't want ETN smashing you know, between the tackles on third and short. So there's a lot of spots for Tank Bigsby to mix in for 5 to 10 touches per game on uh, his rookie year. ETN goes down. He could average like 15 points per game as a fill-in back. He has a lot of upside on a team that I kind of want to bet on in the Jaguars, right, with Trevor Lawrence and uh, Doug Peterson, head coach. They're kind of trending in the right direction. They could be a high-powered offense here. I don't mind just betting on Tank Bigsby, SEC running back, third round draft capital. It's not, you know, overly sexy because, again, the day one depth chart doesn't look great for him, but it's not really looking great for a lot of these guys. It's kind of the reality of the situation here. Now, after that, we have our RB7, last running back in this tier. I was saying, I almost feel like Ty J Spears look a little bit like Lil Uzi Vert. Feel free to, feel free to roast me for saying that. Um, but he goes third round, 81st overall to the Titans. He's the last running back of this tier. And when we look at the chart from before, right, the, the chart that I showed, I want to say it was with Kendra Miller. He 
Pops as well, right? If you look at the top, like it's him and Dwayne McBride at the top. He's in the 99th percentile for yards at the contact, 90th percentile missed tackles forced. I think that's like 98th percentile for explosion or explosive run rate. And then 90th percentile for yards per out run, which is promising for him, right? A guy who didn't catch a ton of passes, Ty J Spears, but that yards per out run is really promising. It's like, what, 1.37 versus Bijan's 1.4. So I am optimistic that he can uh, that he can catch more passes than his like college profile would lead you on to believe. Like if you look here, it's not great, right? Like, this is Gibbs, A-Chain, Roshan, Sharb. All of these guys are, like, get above the dotted line, which is what we want to see from running backs. Tyje Spears is under it in both of his years. His final season, though, it does get, like, decently close to it. I am optimistic that maybe he can become, like, sort of a third down change of pace back. It's kind of what needs to happen for him because we're talking about a guy who is 201 pounds who runs a 4.54. So he is undersized. He is slower than a back that's that size should be. And then he also isn't like a satellite back, you know, 25 plus catches in college type of guy. So that's the issue. He sort of has to develop into a pass catcher. And the biggest red flag on him right now, and I'm st I'm still sort of back and forth on how I even feel about this. Um, but this is, I believe, from Dane Brugler's The Beast. According to several team sources, he doesn't have an ACL. That is a real quote. He does not have an ACL on one of his knees. Uh, apparently he tore it in high school and then tore it again in college. So that is a really, really, you know, tough obstacle to overcome. Uh, but he did look plenty explosive in his final years at Tulane. I don't know how much lower you can put him because of this, but it's why I have him at the back end of this tier and pretty much at like the, the back end of the, the second round of rookie drafts. And it's also why I don't really see upside, right? Like Tank Bigsby, size, pass catching. I can see a three down skill set. Ty J Spears is tough for me. Like, I don't know that he'll ever be a guy in the NFL that'll have like more than 15 touches per game. You know, he seems kind of more of like a change of pace, like one, two punch kind of guy. And I think pass catching is where he could develop into getting more of those touches without having to get slammed between the tackles. Again, we just don't know if the pass catching is there, but I do think this is a good spot for him. I don't think, don't quote me on this. I don't think Dontrell Hilliard is under contract for the Titans. So if he wanted to prove that he could catch passes, he has opportunity for a third down role right away next to Derrick Henry, which is kind of exciting. So again, knee injury is a little bit scary, but he is like super explosive, super efficient between the tackles, showed some promise in the passing game, was the last running back drafted day two. So that obviously means a ton, but he's not someone I would go absolutely crazy for. Now, next tier, we have D tier. And these are your day three running backs, guys who sort of fell. Um, but I kind of like what their role could be on day one. And here as our RB8, we have Roshan Johnson, he goes to the Bears, 115th overall in the fourth round. He's a tricky prospect because he's like Kendra Miller, where the model's not going to like him, but I'm also willing to kind of make an exception for him. He has rare size for just like the modern NFL at this point. Like it feels like everybody is getting smaller, you know, the wide receivers, the running backs, the Bryce Young at the top. This is a classic. This is your this is your daddy's favorite running back here. Six foot. 225 pounds relative athletic score has him best comparable to Le'Veon Bell who ran about like that like you know 4-6 that size wasn't super vertically explosive um Roshan Johnson also very interesting with that 1-5-4 10 yard splits also very impressive for him so just a really rare athlete right now and he also leads the class in missed tackles force per attempt and also before Bijan Robinson came to Texas he had over he had 23 catches in his freshman year at Texas, which is really impressive. It tells me that at that size, 23 catches in his freshman year is pretty crazy. So he has like a pretty easy to see three down skill set. He's shifty. He's efficient. There's a lot to really like here. The issue is that he goes day three. So that is kind of the issue here. 
you know, day three is where your hit rates really fall off. And then he goes to a crowded backfield. Now, it's not a backfield of big names, I will say, but he goes to a backfield of good running backs. This is a good tweet from Jacob Sanderson. The only running backs with over three yards after contact per attempt in both 2021 and 2022. It's a good list of guys who are just good running backs, right? Ramondre, Pollard, Derrick Henry, Chubb, Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor. And then the last two, Deonta Foreman, Cole Herbert. So these are two very efficient, very good runners, like rushing yards over expected, all of that. They they both usually pop in those. So these are two good running backs, but also not two running backs with a lot of investment. Khalil Herbert, day three guy. Uh, Deonta Foreman, often Achilles, has been in like, I think that's like, this is like his third team uh, since that. So there's not a lot of investment or long-term investment to these guys for Roshan Johnson to kind of be, you know, marginalized by them. It seems like all three of them will have a fair shake of the job and he can kind of carve out a role maybe one of them gets hurt a lot of you know easy ways to sort of realize that upside for Roshan now our RB9 here is going to be Chase Brown his picture is also crazy um fifth round 163rd overall to the Bengals and I think this is where we kind of see some year one upside like if you wanted to look at you know empty-ish depth charts which is kind of what we're chasing once we get to like Roshan Johnson was the only fourth round running back once you get to like round five on, you're kind of just looking for a way for a guy to impact year one, like analytical profiles and all that can kind of go out the door. Once you get to this range, you kind of just want guys that can get on the field and maybe realize a, a full three down type role. And that's what we're kind of looking at with Chase Brown here. Chase Brown goes to the Bengals who have a pretty like bare running back room. Like Joe Mixon has like legal issues. He could get suspended. He might have to restructure his contract with the Bengals and the only other running backs on contract are Travion Williams who has 55 touches in four seasons and Chris Evans who has 35 touches in two NFL seasons so there's really not a ton of competition uh Mixon could be hanging around maybe them only taking a running back in the fifth round is indication of that uh but if not they could save like 10 million dollars if they cut Joe Mixon after June 1st so there's a lot of upside here where somebody could get cut I imagine they probably bring a better veteran in in that situation but there is a lot of opportunity, up for grabs in this backfield on an offense that was seventh in points scored last year, which is really exciting. And Chase Brown out of Illinois, he's like a five-year guy, so he doesn't really pop, right? He comes out as a bronze, but a lot of his comps are super, super interesting. Uh, I don't know why my the athleticism tab is a number. It should be a grade. Uh, but, like, his comps for bronze are decent. Like, he gets these guys that go third round that have been kind of interesting, like your Aaron Jones, your Marlon Max, your Elijah Mitchells, Chase Edmonds. Uh... And then obviously, like your downsides, like Jordan Todman, Antonio Pittman, like he can just be complete buns as well. But he does have a nice, uh, a nice profile where he hit my receiving yard market share thresholds in his age twenty and age twenty one season, his final two years. So he can catch passes. Five nine, two hundred nine pounds is like you know your Aaron Jones, like kind of uh, not bell cow, but a guy who can kind of carve out a role and you know get fifteen plus touches per game. 9.81 RIS is really exciting. So he's athletic. He catches passes. He goes to a spot where he could get volume in year one. So that's why I have him as my RB10 uh, or RB9. Now, moving to E tier, this is where we're just looking at like fifth round dart throws and guys who don't really have immediate pass to volume like your Chase Brown. But I will say, if you want to put these E tier guys in D tier and just flatten it out, you can. I just thought for the sake of this video, I'd go S through F. Um, but admittedly once you get past c tier they all kind of jumble together to be honest with you guys but rb10 we have israel abanaconda abanaconda however you want to say it he goes fifth round 143rd overall to my jets and again these are kind of just dart throws right so of course he's behind Brees hall but Brees hall coming off the acl they might be slow to bring him back israel abanaconda could be the week one 
RB2, be the guy who gets the most opportunities in that backfield uh, if Brees Hall is not ready to be the full-on bell cow workhorse or whatever, and be really interesting out the gate. This is a guy who is a freak athlete. The Jets, like, if you just look at the relative athletic score of every Jets draft pick from this draft, it's pretty crazy. Like, they're all 9-plus. Now, this is a guy a little bit like, uh, look, I was born in 2001. So this guy was playing in the NFL before I was even born, Amon Green. But I know of Amon Green. I know that he's kind of like a legend. He's one of those guys who probably, like, just short of the Hall of Fame, but a really, really good running back who's also in that, like, 5'10", 2'15", 4'4", speed, crazy explosive type build, which is why you should be excited for Izzy Abinaconda. Now, three down upside isn't really there. Just 12 catches in his final year. The positive, though, his second year, before like his big-time breakout, he had 24 receptions, which is you know pretty damn good for a guy who didn't even rush for 1,000 yards that year. So I think there's some upside for him as a pass catcher. And then also, there's upside here for him to be a nice asset just because he's young. Like Running backs who are young tend to hold value. Abinaconda, I think is the youngest player in the entire draft. Feel free to fact check me on that, but he's not going to be 21 until October. So week one, he will be 20 years old. He's early declare. Uh, so really young and just ideally we want athletic young guys who can have an early role, which would be taking pressure off of Brees Hall. I think that his sort of long-term role there is just kind of like home run hitter, uh, you know, change of pace type back. Kind of reminds me of like a Tevin Coleman, uh, but... I, I don't know if he could be like prime Tevin Coleman to like Brees Hall's Devontae Freeman. You know, I think it'd be a, a heavier split towards Brees Hall, but just kind of an interesting upside comp there. Now, the next guy we'll talk about, if you want to put him at the top of this tier, you can. Uh, someone I'm excited about, Zach Evans. Zach Evans, he goes to the Rams sixth round this time, 215th overall. Now, I will say the, the research I've done, I know we talked about earlier that second round is a lot better than third round, and it has been recently, but since 2007, Second round and third round has been kind of been kind of been comparable, but I, I kind of want to wait for the NFL to show us that again because if we look at second round versus third round uh, since then, it's been pretty pretty rough. But then fourth round and fifth round is about equal, and then sixth round and seventh round is about equal. So that's where the tier breaks are according to just kind of the research since 2007. First round, round two, three, round four, five, round six, seven. So it doesn't seem like a lot, but Izzy going round five and Zach Evans going round six is actually a pretty sizable gap here. Uh, and Kendra Miller or Zach Evans teammates with Kendra Miller, uh, at TCU for a couple years, there is also one of these like hyper efficient between the tackles runners. Like if we look at that same RB matrix, we looked at with Kendra Miller, Zach Evans is the fourth running back on that list, 95th percentile in yards at the contact per attempt. You have 73rd percentile in missed tackles force per attempt, but then 94th percentile in explosive run rate. And then also a really good yards prop run too. I think that's the thing with Zach Evans. I think he's a really underrated receiver. I think he has more. I think he even has more re receiving upside than a guy like Kendra Miller. You can see there, 1.28 yards per run, like 89th percentile. He isn't a complete zero as a wide receiver, Zach Evans. If we look here, I have this class. I believe I have this class ranked by their best receiving yard market share among all running backs in this class that are 200 pounds or heavier. And he is one of the six running backs in this class that are 200 pounds or heavier with a 10% or better best market share receiving yard season. It is him, Evan Hole, Eric Gray, Bijan Robinson, Sharp, and Kenny McIntosh. It's a pretty decent list to be a part of. It shows like he had one season. It was a second year. I believe it was at TCU. He just showed really, really strong receiving upside. Now, this is not a comp that I believe in seriously, but RAS's comp that they spit out for McCaffrey or for Evans is Christian McCaffrey. Now, of course, 
he will not be Christian McCaffrey. He will not come into the NFL and, you know, have 80 catches or anything. That's not what I'm expecting. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is people thought that Zach Evans was going to be more like 215. He weighed really light at the combine. But I think similarly to McCaffrey, I think it, it wouldn't be crazy to see him as a three down back who is undersized because again, I think that he can catch passes. I think he can get it done between the tackles. I think there is upside for him, not just to be a grinder or a satellite back. I think he can do it all like a McCaffrey. He is more athletic than you would think. I also think that he's heavier than that 202. I think he probably plays more at like, you know, 208 to 210. And he goes to the Rams, which have a pretty wide open depth chart, not wide open depth chart, but he's going to be behind Cam Akers. And pretty much that's it, right? I think he's the only running back behind K-Makers worth mentioning, right? Maybe you have like Jake Funk there or Kyron Williams. But Zach Evans comes in with a ton of juice, right? Kyron Williams, a slow satellite back. K-Makers, a guy coming off an Achilles tear, was behind Darrell Henderson at times, was like a healthy scratch at times last year. Of course, he came on at the end of the year. But Sean McVay has sort of shown a willingness to use different running backs throughout the year and treat each of those guys as like bell cows in his offense. So Zach Evans has, will have every opportunity to, you know, dethrone Cam Akers, be the bell cow for this Rams offense. There is a lot to like with this landing spot. Now, really quick here, I want to go through F tier, who are just like, uh, just like, you know, just dart throw running backs is really all I can sort of say about that. But we'll put Evan Hole here, who is a Noah Hills darling. And he is somebody, if we look at that uh, chart that we kind of referenced earlier, of running backs 200 pounds or heavier, uh, and their best market share of receiving yard season. Evan Hole at the top of this class by a ton. He is somebody that has a season of over 20% market share of receiving yards. He is over 200 pounds. He's 5'10", 209 pounds, 447 speed, elite explosion on RAS. Now, if you want to do a little bit of dot connecting here, Shane Steichen was coach for the Eagles, who took Kenneth Gainwell, who's kind of a similar back to Evan Hole. But then also Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach with the Chargers from Justin Herbert through like mid-2010s. I did not double-check this. I think there's a decent chance, though, that he was a part of the staff that took fellow Northwestern pass catcher, freak athlete, Austin Eckler. There is a chance that Shane Steichen likes having one of these guys like an Evan Hole in his offense, right? Whether that's Austin Eckler, whether that's Kenneth Gainwell. Now, of course, Andy Richardson, rushing quarterback. I don't know what the receiving ceiling is going to look like with Richardson at quarterback, but it seems like this is a role that Steichen might like for his offenses. And Evan Hull is a as good a fifth-round prospect as they come at running back. So Evan Hull, very exciting. Somebody that I'm happy to grab late in drafts. Then we have Eric Gray for the Giants. He goes fifth round, 172nd overall. And he's kind of just a body. He's second highest on the 200-pounders uh, max market share receiving yard list. So, you know, he's a guy who has a three-down skill set. He's a little bit slow with like a, I think he's like 4-6-40 type of guy. But he went to Oklahoma. He can kind of do it all. And his only competition right now is Matt Breda for the RB2 spot. And then Saquon in the RB1 spot hasn't even signed his franchise tag yet. He could hold out. He could, like, demand a trade or whatever. So there's a lot of upside for Eric Gray to just kind of be in an empty backfield looking at just Matt Breda in week one, which is interesting. Then we have RB14 here, Deuce Vaughn. He goes sixth round, 212th overall to the Cowboys. And I honestly think you could put him at the, the top of this F tier. He's getting really slept on right now, and I get why, right? He's 5'5", 179 pounds. He was kind of just drafted to the Cowboys because his dad's a coach there. But man, even if you factor in the fact that his size is terrible and he was picked on day three, he was picked in the sixth round, he still comes out as one of just 15 day three silver running backs in the RS grades. This is your entire list. 
Aaron Jones, Devonta Freeman, Lamar Miller, Jordan Howard, Marlon Mack, Tariq Cohen, Roy Helu, Jaquiz Rogers, Robert Turbin, Antonio Pittman, Jeremy McNichols, Isaiah Spiller, Kenny Gainwell, and Marcus Lattimore. It's not a perfect list, but a 4 out of 14 top 12 running back hit rate when it comes to day three running backs is extraordinary. Now, his comps on this list, you cannot comp him to, you know, uh, Jordan Howard, a guy who's like 220 pounds. But he kind of looks like, I think Tariq Cohen's a good comp for him. Uh, Jaquiz Rogers, a decent comp, a guy who sort of, uh, I don't think he caught a top 24 season, but was like decent for a second. Uh, Gainwell was kind of getting there. Devonta Freeman, who of course exploded. But I think there's a lot of upside here. His profile, if he was just a, a decent size and tested well, would be amazing. Like he's a guy who, 21-year-old, early declare. Hits all of my receiving yard thresholds. Hits all of my adjusted yards per team pass attempt or adjusted yards per team attempt thresholds. Uh, day one breakout produced all three years. Like literally everything you could possibly want besides size, it's all there. If you want to put him higher than this, you can. All the guys that are in front of him, not named. Uh, all the guys that are in front of him that aren't in C tier are all bronze. Uh, while Deuce Vaughn is silver. But again, I'm being level headed, moving him lower than that. Uh, but he's somebody that I do want to end up with in these rookie drafts. The the running back room that he's in, Pollard for one year on the on the franchise tag, and then it's Ronald Jones and it's Malik Davis. So it's not a hard backfield to sort of carve out a role in. I do really, really like Deuce Vaughn. Then our last running back here, Sean Tucker. Undrafted free agent, RB15. He goes to the Buccaneers, and this is the important part. He gets 155000 guaranteed, which is more than some sixth-round and seventh-round guys make uh, in terms of guaranteed money on their rookie deal. So that is a really, really strong investment. He fell out of the entire seven rounds because of a, like a medical concern. It might be like a heart issue or something. It really sucks. But this is a guy who, if he got day two draft capital, I, I think only him and Jameer Gibbs get day two draft capital and become a gold. Sean Tucker, really strong profile, 5'9", 209 pounds, I believe. Uh, 2,500 rushing yards in his final two years, over 55 catches in his final two years. He can do it all. Track athlete would have blazed the combine if it wasn't for the medical stuff. So he's somebody I'm willing to bet on, right? Just in this Buccaneers offense, it's Rashad White, and then it's pretty much nobody. I think Keyshawn Vaughn is still there, but I think that's really it. So he'll have every opportunity to kind of find a way to get on the field, and I'm completely fine taking a fourth-round flyer on him uh, in that scenario. So that is going to do it for you. This is my top 15 2023 rookie running back rankings feel free to dispute them down below if you want to just completely tear me a new one go ahead why not uh it's draft season i truly do appreciate all the love you guys have been showing i think we did a stream the other day we did a stream after the nfl draft that we had like 300 viewers in there and then it has like 10,000 views now after we uploaded it just went absolutely crazy so appreciate all the love right now again i know all of us have rookie drafts happening right now if you are out there with the rookie draft coming up and you want to go out there and dominate again RS grades completely official. I have my rookie running my rookie rankings entirely. Top 48 Superflex tight end premium with tiers and the RS grade. It's all really pretty in the rankings. I'm gonna have a dynasty rankings update as well coming this weekend. A lot of really, really crucial stuff in there for you guys that are out here playing in these dynasty leagues. Now, if you can't contribute there, likes, subscribes go a huge, huge, long, long way. So I appreciate it, and I will see y'all. In the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. Tenno, chat on zone. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my vagabond. Rapper, song, singer. Suspended, subpoena. From Mr. Meaner's dreamer. Hell back asses. Loki still a dear. And I still shake a bow squat.